It's the Lockdown Flyers podcast for Thursday, January 11th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high quality content that is uh, pretty, pretty happy that Jamie Drysdale got a great welcome into Philly. He did. He did. People were excited. We're going to talk about that game versus the Habs. We're going to get into more about Jamie Drysdale and any questions that y'all had about him and the effect of the trade all on today's show. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, and thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on the app formerly known as Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here with Russ Cohen, who is coming to you from the Wells Fargo Center parking lot. You can hear the noise back there. Uh, he's on all your favorite social media apps at Sportsology. We are at Locked On Flyers on Instagram threads, Blue Sky, and Twitter as well. You can subscribe or follow us for free over on YouTube or on the SiriusXM app or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Subscribe. You'll get our latest episode as soon as it's available here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Russ, man, that was a game versus Montreal (laughs) there. Um, A lot of missed shots, but a a lot of excitement, too. Yeah, in the end, there was a lot of excitement, but in a lot of that game, there wasn't. Um, it was a record-setting first period, though, because the uh, the Montreal TV folks let me know that uh, with Sam Erson giving up the two goals on two shots but no saves, it's only the second time it's happened in the history of the NHL, and like, like the last time was something like 17 years ago or something. So um, kind of an odd situation. I knew yeah. I was watching something odd at that time, right? They're odd goals, and I was just like, all right, you know, let's see what happens here. Uh, you know, Drysdale looked good. He um, he looked really good on the power play. And the inexplicable part is after they score on the power play, like, you know, him to Frost, nice play. You know, he reverses position. Frost has that skill. This is why I tell people you keep Morgan Frost because when there's two skilled players like that, it's really noticeable, especially on a power play, right? But then yep. on the next power play, they only put him out there for like 20-something seconds, and then they come back on the last six. And it's like, why did you do that? You scored on the last power play. It none of that made sense. So there's still technical issues with this power play. Yeah, but I absolutely think that the potential is there for some improvement. It was, uh, as the yes. broadcasts like to emphasize to us, the third game in a row that the Flyers have scored on the power play, which you know is progress. But I think things could be better. And I think you're right that you know they just have to figure out when and how to use Drysdale a little bit more Mm -hmm. consistently as time goes on. I don't expect it to be perfect right out of the gate, but I think this was some good learning experience for for the team and coaching in terms of how to deploy him a a little bit better in the future. Yeah, no doubt. I I think it was the first time since December of 2022, I was told that they had, you know, Mm -hmm. the power play connecting like this. So that's 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 another just another stat that came out of this game. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, like I said, I think uh, just a lot of like little experimentation happening out there with Drysdale and different usages, yeah. just to see where he would fit best. And I think that's the right move for his first game. Honestly, is to just try and learn as much as you can. 
Yeah, but next game, don't go 11-7. He needs to no. play with a partner all the time and get used to that. And, yeah, the, the 11-7 was not proving to be smart for tonight. It just wasn't. But, but, you know, they managed to get past it, so that's fine. But, you know, we all were seeing the flaws in it. Yeah, well, we, we've known the flaws in the 11-7 here yeah. for a while now. And um, I'm also you know, a, a little worried about how it's going to work out roster wise. And, you know, we talk a little bit about that a little later in the show um, when we do our mailbag questions uh, yeah. from y'all about the fallout from this trade, as well as some other questions on the team. But I, I think that, you know, this is going to be a, a real difficult decision-making process for the Flyers on what to do again, especially when Noah Gates comes back. Yeah. And I don't think he's too far off. So you know, definitely something is going to happen and, you know, we're pretty sure it's going to affect one of the young players. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what they decide to do on that front. But, uh, yeah, the chances are, are high. There's going to be a, a lot of shuffling happening related to that. Uh, again, in this game, a lot of, lot of shots that did not go, uh, <laughs> particularly from Owen Tippett, I would, I would say. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, the goal that he did get, again, it, like we've said this time and again, you know, when he doesn't have time to think, the shots go in. Right. There were two great passes. You know, Couturier to connect, and he goes to, right to Owen Tippett, and he puts it right in. It's like, yeah, that's great. Keep doing that. But then, you know, there's other times, uh, again, where he does that shot down the right side and the goalie's yeah. already set up. Like, you're not scoring on that. Do something else. Do another fake. Something something else has to kick in so he tries yeah. it because he can, he can get more goals out there. It's frustrating sometimes. Yeah, and I think that, you know, especially that last attempt he had uh, where yeah. he came flying down the ice, I yeah. really want to know how fast he was going on that he was going fast rush. no yeah. question about it it was yeah. it was unbelievable but you're right it was like the same move so yeah. even though it was kind of a a washout because he literally crashed out but um primo really did know where to be and it wasn't that difficult for him to stop it primo had a great game too he had a great game i mean he was reading the play he, he was ahead of the flyers a lot of times knowing where the shots were going you know, late, there was a one really great chance that that leg save, and he did something that I don't see a lot of goalies doing. Rather than hugging the post, he had his one leg wrapped around the post, and and actually, that's what made the save. So, you're really good. There was that one goal that, you know, was uh, reviewed, and he also saved that. I mean, that was weird because, you know, at the last second, he pushed his glove up, and it kind of right. pushed the puck on end after, like, ricocheting off a couple players. So they didn't get a goal there either. So no, Primo was really good. No question. Thinking about other guys in the game, Morgan Frost, man, when he has a little bit, just a little bit of space, um, I love his shot. I, he's just yeah. so smart about it. And I know it was on the power play, but still like, and he's going to naturally have a little bit of space, but if he can like just create a little more space or like other guys can work with their positioning to give him that space i think that's equally a way to do it um it is. like like the sky's the limit for morgan frost honestly yeah if he could do that there's there's going to be some great improvement uh but he also has to get the opportunity you got to keep giving him that opportunity you can't just like hey if he doesn't do it in the game or two on the road trip start straying to something else you got to stay with it with with these young guys yeah. a lot of the times moving them around is not the answer uh, yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, you look at overall 
Owen Tippett with a ton of shots on goal, but you know, so so did Coots, so did Forrester, even Lawton. I think had a really great game as far as he had a good game. getting involved. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was definitely involved. We still don't know why he's on the power play, but he did get involved <laughs> every other way. I mean, him on the power play still makes no sense. Like I understand, you know, you wanted to put him on the penalty kill. You gave him some more minutes last year. It made sense. That's but putting him on the power play, like. I think that's a failure. I'm sorry. Just yeah. go with somebody. You got other guys. Yeah. I mean, I understand they're just trying things at this point, but um, I do think that Scott Lawton's talents are, are better served elsewhere on the team, yeah. especially on the PK and in key five on five situations. Absolutely. Um, yeah, at the but, start of the game, I, I will say that I was happy that uh, both goalies were wearing pride tape and probably, you know, 10% of the guys. So, you know, that's an improvement, and, and that was good to see. Yeah, it was, it was very interesting to have Drysdale be number nine um, to kind of eradicate the ghosts of that <laughs> number on that front. So that was good. It was good. It was positive. It was nice. A much, much better feel than when all that went down. So that was – I was very happy about that. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. But, yeah – uh, Sam Erson comes up big in the shootout again. He He's just he so good at it. Um, yeah, the save on Caulfield was a good save. That was he yeah. just got that, and it was a really big save. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, so another W in the books before this important road trip. We're going to talk more about that road trip on tomorrow's show. But coming up next, y'all had a ton of really good questions about the fallout from the trade plus some other Flyers questions, and uh, we will get to those coming up next. The Flyers have a tough road trip ahead, uh, playing the Wild and Jets back-to-back -to, -back to start it off, and we're going to preview those two games on tomorrow's show. But in the meantime, we do have some uh, additional mailbag questions. You had so many good ones uh, following the big trade and, you know, the fallout and what it means for the rebuild. So we're going to get right into it. Uh, Ryan wants to know, now that the, uh, the Flyers need to make it a top priority to sign that player at the University of Denver, who's Massimo Rizzo, uh, the one they traded from Carolina. He's leading the NCAA in scoring this season, including uh, above Cutter. How important is this to the Flyers now? Well, it's important, but you know the issue is he's got a lot of choices now, too, with the year that he's having. So again, like any other college free agent, he's going to look at the landscape of the Flyers and say, where could I possibly play here? Can I play in the NHL here next year? Can I play in the NHL here the year after? Where, where would I fit in, in the center depth? And, you know, right now, uh, it's kind of log jammed. So unless he knows what Ryan Paling's doing or what the club's doing with Ryan Paling next year, you know, it's a 50-50 coin flip. So they're going to go to him, I'm sure, and try. But if he is a little standoffish, then, you know, he might, he might take his uh, chances in free agency. So the chance of that exists. Yeah, it'll be interesting because it's kind of like the devil you know versus the devil you don't know for mm -hmm. Ryan Paling, I think, you know, both from his side of things and the Flyers side of things. It's, yeah, it's like it's he's a known entity for the Flyers now. So is he going to resign with the Flyers? Is he going to want to resign with the Flyers? Um, that That is a big question going 
into this, I think, for Massimo Rizzo. And he does have, um, you know, a certain degree of the power here in, in uh. this discussion. And, you know, it kind of raises the question for me. This wasn't a mailbag question. This is me asking myself and, you know, you, Russ, does this situation that happened with Cutter Gautier affect the Flyers' ability to sign prospects to ELCs, especially coming out of college? Well, all right. So the, the free agent ones, I think it affects them because, again, they're going to look at that and say, hmm, all right, maybe I go someplace where I don't have to worry about teeing anybody off with how I handle myself or anything else because what if you know Rizzo all of a sudden starts negotiating and it doesn't go well you know his his camp may say now what's going to happen are we going to get skewered in the press who knows like that's how people look at it so I think from that perspective yes now from an ELC perspective from the draft that's a little different uh that one I think they'll still be okay with but I do think the free agency right. one is you know I don't think they're going to be a, a starting point. Now, for someone like Rizzo, who's got a friend like Brink there, you know, it could help. Right. But it's only going to help if there's opportunity. Yeah, I think that's going to be the interesting part of it is, you know, college hockey is becoming more and more the fertile breeding grounds to find NHLers and to find diamonds right. in the rough that maybe didn't get drafted right away. Right. Um, and, you know, I think that it's important for the Flyers to be able to maintain positive relationships with their prospects that are playing college hockey. And I do think they're going to have to put in some extra work now. Uh, yeah, to, I don't think any question. Yeah, to, to maintain those relationships. But it's a really good question about Rizzo because he's absolutely killing it. It's a good question. We'll talk about him this year. We, you know, yeah. he's made some big jumps even from the last time we saw him live. Like last yeah, absolutely. summer. Carl Hamill over on YouTube saying uh, it's looking like the Flyers will need to trade Carter Hart to generate assets for another top line center prospect. What do you think? I mean, it's so hard to get a top line center prospect. And unfortunately, with the Hockey Canada stuff still looming, I don't think they're going to get that for Carter Hart. All right. Because <laughs> I don't think a team's going to take the hands. Yeah, I think until that's resolved, I, I don't think Carter Hart is the guy that's going to get that level of prospect in return. Is Travis Konechny? That's another story. Yeah, I mean, you get a better chance with Konechny getting a underdeveloped prospect that could turn into that. But with Hart, because of this situation, like, even though he's an RFA and they don't sign him because they may be waiting to find out what's happening, too. Yeah, I think that uh, there's a lot of waiting and seeing with this Flyers team and, and the management now uh, related to all of this. Um, Susan wants to know, do you think the Gautier trade affected the players during the game with Pittsburgh? Absolutely not. No. I, I no. They probably, I, I believe there's some rules about not having, I know there is in the NFL, but like not having a phone on you during the game right but who's um, to say not being someone, able to check your phone yeah i mean i don't know if that gets policed very well like could someone check their phone in between the break they you know in between periods they could would it affect them not in the least no and i, I do know that based on what we heard from jamie drysdale that he was getting texts from flyers like well after the game ended <laughs> right. you know to welcome him to the team uh, but yeah i think you know they're focused on the game yeah. Um, and it, it really didn't have anything to do with it there. A lot of the players um, don't really know him. Like, that's the honest truth. Too. Yeah. 
So I think, you know, it was definitely a surprise uh, in terms of maybe not, you know, in retrospect, looking at how things happen, you could look back with hindsight and say the trade was not a surprise, but who it was for and like the timing of when it went down was sure. certainly a surprise right? Uh, for us. And I, I think that, you know, it, the, the guys are just focused on the game at hand. Tortorella's focused on the game at hand. You can see that even after the deal, he's kind of like, I just want to talk about the hockey here. So right. um, I think that they they know what they're doing as far as that's concerned. Uh, Richard wanted to know about Jamie Drysdale's injury history. And, you know, is that a concern? And, you know, how are we feeling about that? Well, I mean, if it's a reconstructed shoulder, you do always worry about it. I can go back to um, really when I was a teenager and Barry Beck was a great player who played for Colorado, then got traded to the Rangers and he had a shoulder problem and every once in a while would pop out, you know, and, and it definitely hindered what he could do his complete career. And he was a bigger guy. So like, it's not always just the smaller guy thing. Sometimes it's actually just the injury, but uh, you know, in the end, I'm sure they got the medicals and it looks pretty good. So I, I don't worry about it as much from that perspective. That Look, that possibility exists because, like, you have an injury, it exists. But the upside is much higher than than worrying about the downside right now. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, it's definitely, you know, this is not a Ryan Ellis situation at all. Well, we didn't it's- know the Ryan Ellis one. To be fair, you didn't know the Ryan Ellis one was going to be a Ryan Ellis one, except we knew he had more injuries than than Drysdale like that's that's all we know so I'm not going to compare the two either I'm not right. I'm just saying even then though you didn't really know yeah I think you know it, it just it does seem like the upside is well worth this risk no no it, it, there's no question the upside's worth the risk yeah absolutely and uh looking forward to seeing more of him on the flyers as we continue uh, in the meantime you all had some amazing questions this week and uh, some of them are indirectly related to the big trades. Uh, some of them are not, uh, including stuff about LTIR, um, potentially moving up in the draft and some good prospect questions. We're going to get to those coming up next. It's the halfway point in the season, Flyers fans. Regardless of where you are in the current standings, I want to remind you that you could win big by playing Daily Fantasy Hockey on Sleeper, the official Daily Fantasy app of the Locked On NHL Network. Sleepers are number one choice for daily fantasy sports and especially daily fantasy hockey because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in daily fantasy hockey contests. Fans can also play daily fantasy NFL, NBA, and MLB and college football when they're in season on Sleeper and entries can be made in under a minute. All you have to do is pick whether NHL superstars like Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, or Austin Matthews, plus the new guys like Connor Bedard when he's playing. Um, we'll record more or less than their sleeper projections for things like goals, assists, saves, plus, minus, and more in a given game. To win 100 times bet on sleeper, you need to correctly predict the outcome of eight player stats. You heard me, Flyers fans. You can win 100 times your money playing daily fantasy hockey with sleepers, so start paying attention and nail your picks so you can start winning big. Use promo code Locked On NHL and you will get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's Locked On NHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details and locational availability. 
Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering all the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league like Locked On NHL. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube to subscribe. Russ, William had a, a question related to our cap discussion from yesterday's show. Uh, saying the Flyers have not used LTIR for Ryan Ellis all this season. Are they still eligible? I know there's an LTR limit of some kinds, but how do teams have four or five players on LTR for over $12 million and the Flyers haven't put Ryan Ellis on it? So the answer to this is that they haven't had to because they've had the cap space. Right. Um, people only use LTIR if they're going to go over the cap. Correct. With this. So, uh, yeah, the Flyers have just used regular IR for him and Noah Cates uh, this season. Well, and Cates is going to come back now, so they can't. Right. But they could, they, you know, they still could put him on LTI and put uh, Ellis on it if they wanted to. Well, I think they might have to when Noah Cates comes back. Yeah, when Cates because, comes back, they will. Yeah, because they, they won't have the space for his uh, salary on there. They won't have the roster space either. So that's oh, going to be another. That's a whole other thing. That is a whole other ball of wax. But as far as the um, cap goes, that that's when they'll use LTIR because right. it's just kind of like a extra overage situation. Yeah. Um, but it's only it's like break glass in case of emergency is uh, LTIR. Yeah. Uh, Adam wants to know where does Denver Barkey fit into the center depth now that Cutter Gautier is no longer in the picture. Well, I mean, it's not so much where he fits in the center depth. It's it's because it's like, well, what what do you imagine him to be? And you know, right now, I imagine him as a third line center if he makes it. So, I think he's a third line center if he makes it. Colquhouni would only be bottom pairing. McPherson, same thing. McLaughlin, same thing. So, you know, he's the only guy that maybe has a chance to be a second pairing, a second line center but right now i don't think they have a guaranteed future second line center and they definitely don't have a first i do know that he's denver barkey is playing top line center for london right now yeah. uh, which is great and he's getting a lot of playing time mm -hmm. he's getting a lot of different kinds of playing time and he's having a tremendous season so far uh, which is all good but i do think just like given his size and given his style of play that you know, he's not going to, he's not going to be the big face off guy for the Flyers. No. Let's be real. No, no, that's so, so we definitely need another guy in the system. Who's going to be really good at face offs and be physical and, and have a more defensive style of, I game. think they need to. Yeah. Yeah. But I do think uh, Russ is right in that Denver Barkey would make a really good three C I think in the future yes. for, for the Flyers. At the do burner, hopefully that was how you intended to have your username pronounced, uh, said uh, Philly should use that second, uh, assuming the second round pick that we got um, from Anaheim to trade up in the draft to get Caden Lidstrom. He's a better version of Cutter. I think it would be funny to see. Okay. So first thing, that, that extra second's a 2025. So, but they do have a couple seconds and an extra first in this one. And even if they did the couple of seconds and the first, even if they did a couple of seconds and a couple of firsts, they're not getting Caden Lidstrom. He's he's top five, top 10. They're not going to be able to get him. Not for that. Remember, 
it will take more than that. And it will take a player that, of some certain ilk that's guaranteed to make it. Like, it's just, there's very few centers in this draft. And honestly, right now, you know, Macklin Celebrini is the only one you could say is a top line center uh, in the future. The rest of your, you're really just project, projecting. So would I trade all those assets for Caden Lidstrom? No, I still wouldn't even do it because I'm still guessing. Now, granted, if you were second line center, hey, that's great. But now, um, you know, I'm maybe trading like four assets to do it, even if right. I could. And remember, the Flyers picks, you know, you're probably talking about something between 13 and 17 for them. And then, you know, what, like 20 to 28 for the Panthers, because the Panthers are good. Yeah. You know, the Panthers could end up being like a 30th pick. So not the greatest bargaining chips either to try and get up. The, you know, the second rounder that they have for Columbus is a good one because that'll be, you know, maybe in the first five picks of the second round. But still, I don't think it's getting in the top ten. Yeah, I don't think so either. And I think your point about this not being a great draft for centers um, still stands and that maybe the year after they would be in a position uh, to get an additional pick or or do something with what they're doing at the trade deadline to get a, an additional 2025 first rounder right. that may be, you know, the right asset. If there's somebody they've identified and they say, hey, we can go after this guy for next year, then that's a plan. That's that's good. You know, for this one, there'll be centers with their second first round pick. Like I said, you know, I gave a strategy yesterday, but, uh, you know, on the short, that I would go after that center with the second first round pick in this first round. Yeah, I think that is the right strategy. Mark says, I have a question and more than a little concern about Owen Tippett. Do you think there'll ever be a time when we stop saying he's an elite scorer who's having bad luck and start being realistic that maybe his talent level is not where we thought it was? Yeah, I think that time's coming because the Flyers have to decide whether they, you know, they're going to give him a, you know, a semi-big contract. And they've kind of held off on it, hoping they would see at least the guy they saw last year and they're not seeing that. So that's a tough decision. I mean, I think, I think at this point it's safe to say he will never be an elite scorer. That's fair. That's easy. Um, but the rest is, can he be a 25 goal guy every year? That's, that's going to be the next question to determine his next level of pay. Right. And he's at 1.5 now. Um, uh, that was a two year deal, which expires at the end of this year. And, right. you know, the Flyers were able to get him so inexpensively because he hadn't proven himself yet. And this was like a prove right. it contract. And now we're in a prove yeah. it year. And so far, I would say he's maybe earned a slight increase, but not much of one. And no, and he's not even a center. So, you know, you're talking, you know, maybe he could stretch it to two and a half. Yeah. But- I would say that's the max out for him right now. But even if you're the Flyers, do you invest in this guy long term, knowing what we know now? Right, because he'll want two or three years. And that's you have to decide, is Owen Tippett going to be there when Mitch Kopp is there? That's what you have to decide. Right. I I think that's a really big question. God, the Flyers are racking up big questions. Uh, There's a lot of questions. All you have to do is look at cap friendly and you realize all the questions. Yeah, it's like leading up to this trade deadline, this is going to be a, a very delicate process for the Flyers yes. overall. And all you have of- to have a strategy way in advance. It can't, as an organization, nothing should be able to catch you by surprise come the deadline. Exactly. And I think that, you know, they're going to have to do a lot of legwork and be prepared for a lot of different scenarios to come up in terms of yeah. who they decide they'll want to trade and who's going to 
who's going to stay. Um, I think that analytics group is going to prove their worth, I think, a lot uh, as part of this trade deadline uh, and offseason as well. I agree. I mean, that's what they're there for, for yeah. reports like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, that will do it for today's show. Uh, tomorrow, we are going to preview that Wild and Jets back-to-back. It's going to be a tough, tough set of games for the Flyers on the road. Uh, as a reminder, we always want to hear from you. So if you've got questions you want us to answer on the show, send them in uh, via Twitter at LockedOnFlyers. You can email us at LockedOnFlyers at Gmail or comment over on YouTube. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Have a great day, everyone.